What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Security Squawk Podcast. We bring you the business of cybersecurity and help educate you about what you can start doing to protect yourself. And we got a good show for you today, guys. So we'd love for you to share out our show and comment where you see us on social media, uh, and and just send us questions and and get us and get us talking and educating you more about the things you want to know about. Uh, around this stuff, because, you know, I got to tell you guys, I'm seeing things out there all over the place about cybersecurity, ransomware attacks going down. I don't think ransomware attacks are going down because we don't have any trouble coming up with content for this show. And we know when things ebb and flow. But today we have multiple IT companies under ransomware attacks or under some kind of cyber attack. Uh, and then we're going to talk about those and we're going to talk about some some things about your employees that you might find disturbing around this stuff. And, you know, whether you know, we're going to get into it a little bit, but what, your employees are becoming a big problem for you when it comes to cybersecurity. And we're going to lay that out for you and explain why that is today. But before we do, I mentioned it a little bit, but what's our fee for the show, Ryan? There is no fee for the show. What we ask is that you like and subscribe and more importantly, share this content with other people who may find it valuable. Uh, we're not doing this uh, for our benefit. You know, most of us don't uh, don't like standing in front of people that much and, and, and hearing ourselves talk. We're doing this for your benefit to help spread the word. Uh, we're in this every day. We understand how bad it is out there and how uh, big of a disaster this can be for a business to go through something like this. And it's preventable. Um, doing the right things, having the right cyber hygiene. And that's all of the stuff that we're talking about. So sharing this show with somebody that you know that owns a business, operates a business, may save their business life one day. So share the show, help people get more educated on what's going on. And that is the only fee for this show. Yeah, like I said, we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube. Uh, we're in a bunch of different places. So LinkedIn, so wherever you see our videos, whether it's shared on our security squad page, on our own personal uh, LinkedIn accounts, Facebook accounts, just drop comments. We're going to monitor it. We're going to see it. We're going to check it. And we can always add it into the show um, or, you know, come, if you drop a question, we can always bring that into uh, a future episode and answer those questions for you. So um, we're going to get into it. Obviously we have the, the normal crew here. Andre and Randy are here along with Ryan and I, and we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about the first thing we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about this digital security giant and trust. Okay. Is they've been breached by a ransomware gang. What's going on here guys over at Entrust? Well, it looks like they were hit back in June. Um, and they were, uh, as of the date of this article, which was about a week ago, Mm -hmm. um, they had only gone public with it about a day. So um, they had probably looks like around a month that they didn't really do a whole lot publicly um, about it. Um, and it seems like they're kind of tight lipped on exactly what happened and exactly what was stolen. But this is a big deal because this is a provider of data services. So it's always a big deal when companies like this get hit because it has the potential to hit tons of other companies and, and the parameters 
appears to still be ongoing because they're 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 saying that they they have confirmed that data was taken, uh, but they uh, are are unsure yet what what data was stolen if it was purely corporate data or customer and vendor data as well. Yeah, and another reason it's a big deal is because they service a lot of U.S. government agencies. You got Department of Energy, Department of Homeland Security, Treasury, Health Human Services, Veterans Affairs, Agriculture, and many more. So this is really something that um, is going to be a big deal for for the for the U.S. government. So, I guess one of the things is I want to point out with this is they entrust. And this goes back to what I have been talking about quite frequently on the show in the last six months is how we get information about these attacks is is changing drastically. In, in the early days, we used to get information almost immediately, like as the attack was happening. And again, this goes back to companies doing a better job with incident response and knowing how to handle these situations. Somebody leaked out the fact that Entrust was hit with an attack in wasn't necessarily late June. They got hit about the middle of June. It was more towards the beginning of July. <clears throat> and then a week later, this letter came out from Entrust. Um, and I'll kind of show that on the screen here. Um, this letter came out to people to let them know that, that their data could have potentially be involved in this attack, which, you know, th this is why we're not seeing things in the news. And I personally believe that, and why I mentioned at the top of the show, why we're seeing certain people say ransomware attacks are down, payments are down. Well, that might be true. I just don't think we're hearing about it as much as we are. Um, I just base my opinion on the fact that everybody I'm talking to who has is purchasing cyber insurance, which quite frankly is the responsible thing to do. If you're not doing that in your business, you are, you know, in a lot of trouble. I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, but the amount of conversations I'm having from people who are, having these oh shit moments when they get their cyber insurance renewal this year. Um, these, these questionnaires are going deep and they want to know what you're doing at a lot of different levels. Um, and that's not because everybody's doing a better job with ransomware. And that's why I bring this up. I just think that the reason if you're hearing ransomware attacks are going down, if you're hearing that ransomware payments are going down, it's not because we're doing a better job at cybersecurity. And that's why I want to point that out. It's, it's, that is not the reason. There's other reasons why ransomware payments are, are going down. And it's not because we're doing a better job at cybersecurity. And there's other reasons why we don't see as many ransomware attacks going on out there or they're not being disclosed. And it's not because we're doing a better job at cybersecurity and prevention it's more like we're doing a better job at responding to these events and making sure that when we do respond, we're not letting the cat out of the bag to the whole entire world. And just uh, just look at the insurance industry as proof that that's happening. I mean, they're they're not jacking up uh, uh, rates and and asking right. a lot more questions because they're not paying out as much. That's because it's quite the opposite. Right. And 
they also have the, the knowledge because they go in and they deal with these incident responses. They know what companies are doing and not doing that lead to a breach, which is why you're seeing 11 page insurance applications asking you, you know, simple things like when's the last time you've had a third party risk assessment done on your network. And I can guarantee you that 90% of the companies, and I'm talking all companies from top to bottom, are not having that done on a regular basis. If not more. Um, I want to make a comment about about this. Um, it says that it was a credential attack, basically. Somebody got a hold of username and password to get into their network. And the, the thing that really hits home with me here, and I would really want to encourage if if you're a business owner and you're watching right now, this is a well-known, very large security company. And they had credentials that were leaked out there that somebody used. We don't know if an insider gave them away. We don't know if they were on the dark web. We don't know if it's like the pipeline thing where somebody left, they left it open. But you got to make sure that if you don't need access remotely that you turn it off close the port on your firewall turn off those vpns um, if you do have them make sure that you shut them down when people leave um, your company and cut off access for people like that um, this is just happened like right under the nose you know of a giant security company it's really ironic and, and this yep. is another reason why a third-party risk assessment and doing them on a regular basis is important. I mean, especially companies that are growing uh, at, at a fast pace. It's real easy to have something uh, that you're not even using anymore slip under the radar and then just sit out there. Nobody even realizes it's still there. And then all of a sudden, that's a vector for an attack down the road. So having somebody looking through and verifying that, that you know, catching those blind spots for you can be invaluable. I had a thought while you guys were talking. Uh, that popped into my head and I don't know why, but I'm just going to kind of go out there and say it. This kind of behavior that we're witnessing and this trend in incident response and, and keeping information close to the best. So I'm going through this article and I'm reading things like they're admitting to the fact that data was stolen. And, but they're, they, they were hit. There's a couple of things going on here. They were hit with by a well-known ransomware gang. Compr they, the ransomware gang purchased compromised credentials in order to access this network. And we don't know if data was actually encrypted. They're only admitting to the fact that we know data was stolen. Mm -hmm. But we don't know if ransomware actually impacted this organization, which I find very interesting and for a couple of reasons, but the main reason and the thing that popped into my head is, and I don't hear it as much anymore. And you guys can, we can, we can talk about this a little bit, but early on when we realized we had a problem as an industry with these, with these ransomware groups, the kind of the motto for most companies was, Hey, this is a team sport. Cybersecurity is a team sport. Everybody needs to work together to try to, you know, improve things. Um, do, do you guys feel like the where, where we're going with this is 
in line with that kind of attitude? <clears throat> and are we at a point where we could potentially be creating a ecosystem of the haves and have nots when it comes to knowing what to do when these things go down, right? Because and what I mean by this is if the insurance companies are the ones predominantly involved in these situations and knowing how to handle them and they're not sharing lessons learned and things like that with the community, because quite frankly, the team sport thing was an IT thing. It wasn't an insurance thing. Mm -hmm. And when insurance got involved, we kind of went away, in my opinion, we went away from that team sport mentality. Um, do you guys agree with that? Do you see the same thing that I'm seeing? And, you know, does this way of handling incident response hurt or help us long term as an industry? Yeah, it's, it's definitely every man for himself. You know, they're keeping everything close guarded. I mean, I looked at the Interest website and they have a news article and a press release section. They're not talking anything about this. You know, yes, they sent this to their clients, but there's nothing on their public website saying, you know, this is what's happening. This is what we're doing, anything like that. So they're keeping everything guarded and, and just looking out for themselves at this point. I got a letter from AT&T not too long, like last week or the week before that basically said that their systems were breached in like May or June by an unknown person. And I never heard anything about it in, in the public. Hmm. You know, that letter was the first I've heard of it as well. So I don't know. This is interesting. I mean, I don't know what, the, you know, I always worry about those long-term ramifications that no human being can see or predict, right, uh, right. from this type of change in, in behavior. But I, I just know that very early on, the IT community came together and said, hey, we have to tackle this problem. We can't look at each other as competitors. We need to help one another with these things and figure it out. And then you see the insurance companies come in. And at a lot of different levels, they're keeping things close to the vest. Who they give the incident response work to from attorneys and tech companies is very few and very, you know, far between. You, you know, there's very tight relationships here. Um, and the insurance industry does control a lot of the incident response business that's out there right now simply because a lot of companies have insurance. And a lot of companies, in my opinion, go, well, we're not going to spend all that money on cybersecurity, so let's just get cyber insurance. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like their 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 cybersecurity plan is just to have cyber insurance. So I'll be interested to see where this goes. But another example of a tight-lipped, whether you want to call it good incident response or bad incident response, I guess history will have to play out to let us know, you know, if the world continues to operate in this manner. Um, but another, as Randy said, big security company um, with credentials that are exposed that ended up having a problem. And like Randy, you know, to your point, um, could have happened in those ways, but I was thinking too, it could have happened because some hacker or somebody affiliated with a hacking group or, or, you know, just a bad person was looking over somebody's shoulder at an airport. Mm -hmm. you know? I saw a picture from somebody in our space who was on an airplane who took a picture of 
a laptop that they were sitting next to, and it literally had a, a, a sticky note taped to the laptop next to the mouse pad with their passwords. Took mm -hmm. a picture of it, and he put it on the internet. Mm -hmm. Because right. he then told the person, change all your passwords and, you know, get rid of that. Um, but quite frankly, if you're walking around with that on your laptop, it's no different than posting it on the internet. Right. right? And that's how, that's how these things can happen. It doesn't have to be a dark web thing. It doesn't have to be an ex employee, you know, or, you know, anything like that. It could be a, a, a working for you employee who just decided in the airport, I'm going to log into the system and somebody happened to be watching their, their keyboard and their fingers and they got the password. That but that's, that's just another reason why awareness is, is, is our biggest enemy right now. So, you know, you're yeah. talking about all these companies and, and yes, the IT community says, hey, let's band together so we can combat this. But when it hits a business, their first response is, how do I contain this so we don't look bad? And mm -hmm. then consequently, nobody really knows how bad it is out there. So everybody, you know, doesn't nobody takes this stuff as seriously as they should, which is why you know our fee for the show is to share this out so people understand that because that's the biggest problem is not enough people know how big of a deal this is uh, to take those steps and protect themselves. You know, somebody that, that guy probably didn't think twice about having that post-it note on an airplane. He just didn't realize why that's a bad idea. No, and then he was educated on the airplane, which is good, but. but but this is also why we need the government to get involved, because if the FBI is helping a company go through this situation, then where's the case study afterwards to say your tax dollars came in, help this company and, you know, maybe not give all the details, but at least say this is a case study. This is what they did wrong and this is what you should be looking for in your company. All right, guys, so moving right along. Um Picking on our own industry is, and again, this isn't a podcast for the MSP industry, although I know we have a lot of MSPs that listen to our podcast. Um, we do this for all businesses, but we do like to pick on, you know, our industry when, the, when, it, when it's necessary. And I'll call this the kind of the, the image or the shot heard around the world or around the social media world in our industry, because when this came out, earlier this week um, got a lot of reaction and got a lot of uh, eyeballs on it. A lot of people saying, Oh crap, I feel bad for whoever that is. Um, and what we have here is an image of a post that's obviously in Russian. This is from the dark web. Um, and essentially it's somebody who claims that they have access to a MSP with over 50 companies and they have access to 100, basically ESXi, which is VMware servers, and over 1,000 employees supported by this particular MSP. And he is basically soliciting access to whatever he has access to in this post. So a couple of things I want to point out. This happens all the time on the dark web. This is just something that happened in our industry that got a lot of attention from a lot of people because obviously if you have access to an MSP system, you have access to multiple companies and in this case, 50 companies. But this also happens with singular companies that are not MSPs. These guys are out here saying, hey, I have access to this and, you know, they lay it out and they try to, you know, basically sell what they have access to to the highest bidder. 
Um, the other thing too is, is with this particular form, and just so everybody kind of knows how this works out there, in order to post something like this, you have to put Bitcoin into an escrow account that's run by this form website that's on the dark web. Otherwise, nobody will take you seriously. This guy put in, uh, well, I think it was 10,000 in Bitcoin into an escrow account to basically prove, you know, what he had was legit. Um, the risk to this person is, is he loses that $10,000 if it turns out and the people that interact with him decide collectively this guy's full of shit and doesn't have access to this, then this guy loses that $10,000. So that's considered a pretty significant amount of money when posting something like this, that you're, you're serious and that you're ready to move forward. Um, so, you know, let's talk about it, guys. We got, we got an MSP here. Um, and you know, I'll just let the cat out of the bag. We're going to talk about an MSP that's under a ransomware attack. And, you know, I'd like to hear from you guys. If you think that that MSP was what's being talked about here, I personally don't think it was. Um, so essentially we have, you know, one MSP that we know is under attack and another one that could potentially be very soon. Um, I mean, what what's on this one? One thing I want to point out about this and, and, and your description of how this is all, all works is going back to the previous point. Part of the problem is that the, the hacking groups are working together, <laughs> just like we've said that the business community needs to be working together, but they're doing it way better. <laughs> And that's why we're losing this battle because they're working together to accomplish this. This guy gets this one piece of the puzzle and he sends out, you know, a, a signal flare saying, Hey, I've, I've got this, this situation going on, you know, come help. And you know, that's, they're working together. We're not, you know, we're, we're keeping data in inside and not telling people. So they don't know how bad it is. Here's, here's, here's a question I'll pose to business leaders to kind of back up what Ryan's saying. I saw an article this week that said there's a certain amount of time that it takes hackers to start looking for a vulnerability after the vulnerability is announced. So, you know, the way it works is Microsoft, any company, any tech company will come out and say, our software, our system had a vulnerability. We're disclosing it. Now patch your systems. And what, what people hope is that or what hackers hope is that you don't patch that system and then they can now exploit that because it's it's out in the public and it's going to be very easy for them to do once there's a public disclosure. Um, so it takes 15 minutes for hackers to go from when that disclosure hits the public to actually scanning for it on, on the internet and wherever else they want to look. If they have access to your network, um, and they're sitting there and they're just waiting for a new vulnerability to come out so they can pounce on it. That's what these guys are doing. So it's 15 minutes that a hacker can go from knowing about a vulnerability to then start scanning for it. And then once they're scanning for it, look out, you're in trouble. So the question becomes for me is how quickly is your company scanning for vulnerabilities from when they're released? That's that's the benchmark to back up what Brian what, what Ryan says here. Like if hackers are doing it in 15 minutes, you need to be doing it in five. Right. And that's where your company needs to get to. No company is probably 
doing it that efficiently. Right. Right. But proving Ryan's point at all. (laughs) Right. Proving your point again. You're that's that's how far behind you are. You want to look for a benchmark? You want to run a 40 in four seconds and you're running it at eight right now? That's where your gap is. That's what you need to look at doing. How do we get to the point where when a vulnerability is released, we're looking for it within 15 minutes. And let me tell you, you don't have to build a, a whole entire red team to be able or, or blue team to be able to do that. I'll, I'll take your analogy even a step further. It's, you know, it's, uh, you know, you want to run a 40 in four seconds. you got to know that the race is happening. <laughs> this, this is, don't even know that there's a race going on. Mm-hmm. That is true. So what else, what else do we want to talk about on this one, guys? Randy, uh, Andre, you guys have been quiet on this, and it's probably one of your MSPs that's being talked about here. <laughs> yeah, this, is, this is an MSP's worst nightmare to, for our credentials to, you know, to be out there and, and possibly breach. So um, it's interesting how this is going to play out. I know we, what, we have a holiday coming soon, in, um, right when summer's over. So it's going to be interesting, and hopefully um, – Someone's warning somebody to to close this breach. Yeah, this this hacker. It looks like instead of you know a lot of times they get access like this and sell. Looks like he's trying to build a little business around it, um, which could make him a lot of money if he's got access to you know a thousand servers and you know all of that. Um, this is um, like Andre said. This is a MSP's worst nightmare, um, and. You don't know if they have any kind of, you know, are they are they monitoring traffic on those networks? Are they watching for anomalies? You know, what's what's going on? What kind of access, you know, does he have? Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty disturbing. So, yeah. And this is why, you know, just because you're an MSP doesn't mean that you don't also need a third party risk assessment. Everybody needs a third party risk assessment. Everybody. Because your cyber insurance is asking you about it this year. I mean, mm-hmm. If you're telling your insurance company that you're doing third-party risk assessments on your application and you're not doing them, you're not going to get your claim paid. So you might as well not be buying cyber insurance. So yes, you're going to have to spend more money on your cyber insurance policy, but you're also going to have to pay somebody to do a third-party risk assessment. Depending on the size of your company, it's probably going to be, you know, a little expensive because you, it's something you haven't been buying in the past, and now you have to buy this. So the alternative is not getting renewed for your insurance and having a lot more expensive bill down the I road. I just don't think that that's going to happen. I think more people are going to just say, oh, yeah, we're doing that. Right? We our IT guy's taking care of that for us. That's what I'm saying. And it's wrong, but that's what I'm saying. So the other thing I want to point out before we move on is <clears throat> experts warn of hacker claiming access. Now, the reason I think that they're saying that is because it's put it's in Russian on a Russian form, right? But let's look at it this way too. <clears throat> that could be an employee. That could be somebody that somebody hired to do maybe some contract work. Um, we don't know who this person is. We don't know if they're really a hacker. It could be an insider, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, so stay tuned. So moving right along to our next one, this is, you know, we can debate this a little bit, um, but we have an MSP down in Kansas who is unfortunately 
um, taking systems offline presently because they are dealing with a cyber attack. So, Randy, I see you shaking your head there, so I'm going to pick on you. What's going on here in Kansas? Well, I'm just shaking my head because this is a provider that provides mostly services you could get through 365, but they're, they have their own little uh, ecosystem, if you will. Um, I'm not, not uncommon. I know a lot of MSPs that, yeah. that have something like this. So um, now they're, all the services are shut down, so people aren't going to have access. Um, it's a real crap show, man. I agree. Yep. So <clears throat> they had to shut down. So it's just kind of what everybody, you know, everybody has an idea of what's going on. This company built their own cloud system, similar to like Randy said, 365. They called it My Apps Anywhere. And you could buy from them uh, Microsoft Dynamics, Exchange, SharePoint, and other services like CRM services and, and things like that. And customers started to share on Reddit um, that they were detecting signs of a cyber attack. And it was customers who were actually noticing this because when you, just like if you have any kind of hosting service, I remember that, um, it was, I don't remember the name of the company off the top of my head, but they, I remember they were out in Oregon and um, that they were a website company or a web hosting company. They got breached. It ended up affecting like um, Ruby receptionist because that's where their applications were hosted and things like that. Uh, I remember the same thing with um, with uh, that restaurant software cloud-based company, uh, ScheduleFly. Um, same thing there. Um, people were trying to use the system and it wasn't working, which you know made the uh, public then go to social media, Twitter, Reddit, and then people started to piece things together and figure out that this company is under a cyber attack. So, um, Andre, what are, you, what are you pulling out of this uh, article that uh, we have up on uh, this particular cyber attack? Well, it's also interesting um, for the data that they're holding, we have um, bleeping computer telling them that, let me find it here with Huntress, uh, here about the Huntress, excuse me. So here we have um, Huntress, which is a leading um, cybersecurity company. A lot of MSPs use it. And we're talking about, uh, let's see. Actually, go ahead and skip me on that one. Got it. Well, so a couple of things. So a couple of things, um, you know, that I noticed. Number one is they went to their cyber insurer um, to start helping to deal with the issue. Um, and then that was the interesting thing because there was a period of time here before they engaged the cyber insurer that things were being released and information was being put out there on various social media sites. Um, and then it wasn't until they engaged their cyber insurer who then provided them with a third party cybersecurity firm to start dealing with this problem. Um, and then as soon as that happened, net standard or the company stopped sh sharing any further details about the incident. Uh, so they're being tight-lipped about the type of attack that occurred, what's been affected. Um, but most people out there, based on what has been seen um, and observed so far and the information that has leaked out, they believe that this company is dealing with ransomware. 
Um, I, I think reading between the lines too, I mean, we, we, we can kind of assume that there was no, uh, or at least not a very good incident response plan. It seems like a haphazard response uh, that was then uh, taken over and quarterbacked by the insurance company. I, I, I think the thing here, so the insurance company engaged a third party cybersecurity company. Um, I think the, the, the lesson to take out of this as a, as a business don't assume that your IT provider is providing you cybersecurity because in most cases they are not unless they are explicitly telling you that they are and then asking what what is that because a lot of MSPs out there are providing support based services and they're not explicitly providing cybersecurity services whether they're saying that they are or not the, the fact and that I, I, I personally like everybody's like oh is this a coincidence is this the same you know thing as what we, we just talked about with that with that Russian post See, I don't, and maybe because I'm so involved in the in the business, I don't consider this an MSP. And that standard is not an MSP. They're a cloud service provider. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought that was an odd distinction as well. Right? Now, whether they run, you know, because, like, I got to believe that net standard has more than 50 customers, 50, mm -hmm. 50 businesses, right? Well, there's so many MSPs out there. It would be an incredible coincidence for this to be the same one that they're talking about. I Correct. Mean, and I just don't think that this is an MSP. I just, yeah, they, you know. Well, so most most likely, if if um, this company is providing cloud services, they're probably doing it on. You know, they're probably not doing it on ESXi. I don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe they do have it hosted locally. I mean, maybe they're. You know, maybe there could be a, um, a connection, but surely they have more than 50 customers like you uh, like you already said. But it is kind of funny, though, that both articles, this article and the last one we read, basically mention each other. So people are asking that question, at least. Well, I mean, the timing of it is just Im impeccable. Right. But <clears throat> my guess is, too, right, <laughs> my guess is, is that that person when they do engage the company, what really is going to happen is, is they're not going to deploy ransomware that quickly. They're going to figure out like, what's the best way to, mm. you know, hit this company might not be ransomware. It might be another way. Right. But, um, you know, the other problem, you know, I, I, I can't imagine in a million years that this company Net standard is running all of that on ESXi servers. <laughs> just... Well, there's, there's just so many MSPs out there, and I think I think that's that's the thing that, that makes this a little bit misleading. I mean, this this to me is like saying, "Hey, I heard somebody in Texas won the lottery, and I know Randy's from Texas, so maybe it was Randy." You know, it's, it's highly unlikely, right? Because there's a lot of people in Texas. There's a lot of MSPs out there. Yep. So moving right along, um, we wanted to bring this one up. Uh, I, I personally did is because I just don't buy the, the, the stories I see out there that ransomware is on the decline, payments are on the decline. Um, we have another company out there who got hit and, you know, it was on July 10th. It wasn't too long ago, about two weeks ago. Um, so it's this mailing list provider, Worldfly. Um, number one, obviously they, they probably has a lot of data about a lot of people, um, but they're recovering following a ransomware attack. So again, didn't take me more than five minutes to find all these articles. 
And I'm sure I could do probably a four-hour show on all the ransomware attacks that happened in the last two weeks. But we're not going to do that. Um, but I just, you know, with the spirit of having a discussion around, do you guys, are you guys in my camp? Do you think, you know, the stories about ransomware going down are misguided or, or, or kind of misleading? Or I think uh, it's... A it's a, it's more of a symptom of the larger issue that a lot of these aren't getting reported. And, and instead of the number of them being reported increasing, it's going the other direction. And, and I also see that I, I was also seeing those more as predictions, you know, as ransomware awareness raises, they were predicting that, you know, business, you know, business email compromise attacks were going to go up. Basically the crime was going to follow the money if you yep. will. So I mean yeah, the other I piece <clears throat> the other piece where I think a lot of people are get miscalculating is assuming that <clears throat> there's going to be this global recession that everyone keeps predicting. What do you what do you think happens during a recession? You think crime goes up or do you think crime goes down? Yeah. So anything else you guys want to talk about on this one before we move into the last topic of the show it well it sounds like on that article they didn't go into a lot of details of how they were attacked um they didn't know what's happened and it said they basically were using a forensic expert to get them back online um which says to me um i don't even know if they know what's up yet you know and i don't even know um you know did they have backups I think it said that they had backups, but they were also attacked. Is that correct? They were right. wiped out. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that's what I read. But, you know, bottom, bottom line. Um, yeah, that's all I have to add. Yeah, I got it. I got asked a question earlier this week by a reporter who said, you know, I'm doing a story on whether somebody should pay the ransom. And I'm like, well, how much time you got and how long is your story going to be? Because. You know, whether you pay the ransom a lot depends on a lot of different things. And Randy mentioned it. Did your backups get destroyed? Because if they did, you're paying the ransom. You know, um, <clears throat> is are your backups good enough to where you're going to get all your data back? Because if not, you might want to consider paying the ransom. You know, there's a lot of different things that, that go into whether you should pay the ransom or not. One of those could be, are you sending that money to, you know, a sanctioned entity? And are you going to break federal laws by doing so? All that stuff's got to be considered, and that's that's the stuff you got to know. So, and that's why you need a incident response specialist to help guide you through all of that. Hundred percent. You can't just make that decision on your own. There's too many moving pieces. So we wanted to talk about this one last because it affects everybody who has employees, and what we're trying to educate people here is it's not just that criminal hacker sitting over in Russia waiting to break into your system and, and make your day a living hell. We're literally seeing more and more employees, internal people becoming the reason why companies have to deal with cyber attacks. It could be because they just aren't being trained or they're not aware or they don't care and they click on things and they, and they do things that we consider like a mistake or an accident or they inadvertently opened something, did something that they shouldn't have, which led to a ransomware attack. But according to this article from Information Week, 
75% of insider attacks are the work of disgruntled ex-employees. Wow. I mean, we all looked at that number and said, holy shit, like, really? Like, so only 25% are because somebody accidentally clicked on something. 75% are, you know, people who are just not real happy with their employer and they're just willing to take down the company as a result. Um, what do you guys think about this? I think this is something else that shows just how easy it is for this stuff to happen, right? Mm -hmm. It's yeah, you're you're an ex employee. You got a you got a, a an axe to grind. You know, it, it seems so easy. You know, and and honestly, we're seeing stories where people, the attackers, are reaching out to these people, right? So it's just you know, oh, I just give a little bit of information, and, and you know, I get some Bitcoin. Cool. You know, it's it's not it's not the 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 hackers you see on TV and movies where they're just going through and and you know all this code that you can't understand and getting into stuff. It's stuff like this where people are just kind of giving them the keys to the castle. And, you know, and, and I would, uh, go ahead. And I would even question, you know, are these C level employees that has access to a lot of things, or are these the lower level employees where? They're, you know, whatever. I don't care about my reputation and I'll just get another job somewhere else. Um, because, you know, that kind of goes back to how we always say, don't give out so much information. Have, you know, your files kind of like a filing cabinet and it should only be like a need to know access. But if you have, you know, someone making $15 an hour and they're not taking their job seriously and they're already, already always on LinkedIn and Monster looking for new places and they know they have access to a lot of you know, sensitive information. Yeah, I'm going to take it and I'm going to put it on the flash drive and I'll see who I can sell it to. And, and we see that a lot with lower level employees just because it's easier from an organizational and security perspective. Oh, you know, they're cool. They're employees. Just give them access to anything. But I, I think it's also important for C-level folks as well. You know, I, I get this all the time. Oh, well, you know, I'm the owner. You know, I, I should have access to everything. Cool. Well, technically, yeah, you can have access to everything. But should you have access to everything is the other question. If you don't need to access this data, why why give your account access to it so that way if something bad happened and you did get compromised, you're basically just giving them a whole bunch of, a whole bunch more that they wouldn't have had otherwise. For what reason? That that's a really great great point. Back in the day, you know, we might have just gone from do like let's say Ryan and I have a company and we might have just gone from well, you know, Ryan, I trust Ryan, so I'll just let have Ryan have access to mm -hmm. everything. But you can't do it that way anymore. You have to constantly ask yourself, what if somebody broke into Ryan's stuff? You know, and if some, and it, you know, or what if, you know, you would never do this. What if Ryan let somebody in? That's the whole point mm -hmm. of this article. Um, but bottom, bottom line is everything in the company needs to be looked at from a whole different perspective. You know, who really needs access? You know, who, if they don't need access, don't mm -hmm. give them access. You know, every, everybody shouldn't have access to everything. Um, it's funny on this article, 77% of the attacks are phishing, exploitation of known software and brute force um, attacks on RDP, which is remote desktop protocol. Um, those, a lot of those things are things that can be easily mitigated against and obviously still aren't being mitigated against um, to kind of change the topic there a little bit. But, so, uh, it's crazy. so the article says that the amount of incidents that 
they that they de- that you deal with that are insider threats is under six percent. It's like five point four percent, and it doesn't seem like a lot, <clears throat> but you got to think about the effectiveness of these insiders, and they're very effective when they want to do something. And the best analogy that I can give people is <clears throat> if you've ever gone to a different area, visited, lived, it takes you a while to get to know the way of the land, right? <clears throat> you know, I can tell you every shortcut down to the Jersey Shore that exists because I've lived here all my life and I know every back road and I know how to get here and there, right? And that's how it is. That's the difference between a criminal hacker who breaches your network they're in completely unfamiliar territory, unfamiliar land. They have to figure out where everything's at. And even if they do figure out where things are at, they might not know where everything's at or they might not know the way. That's not true with your employees. They know exactly where everything's at. They know exactly how to get there. They know if they have access and they know if they don't. So if they want to delete your whole entire business share on their last day of work, they absolutely know where to go to do it and they know how to do it. <clears throat> and that's the difference. Like you, you have people who have way more knowledge about the inner workings of your business. And as such, they're going to be more effective when they try to go do whatever it is that they're going to do before they leave. Um, and that's why it's important to have a good offboarding process, right? You're going to fire somebody. You want to make sure that they're locked out of the system before they have any inkling that they're going to be fired. And I think another thing too, to kind of loop back down around to a previous point is, is don't assume that your MSP is providing security. There's different ways of doing this. So yeah. you know, going back to the CEO example, you know, if, if, if you have a support focused MSP, which there's nothing wrong with that, you just have to understand what you have and what's working for you. And you're the owner and you ask for access to everything. Their job is to give you what you want, right? A security person is going to say why. And that that's the distinction. You need to make sure that you have somebody asking why to protect your business, to cover your butt. That's what a security professional is going to do. Right. Good stuff, guys. Got anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? All good. Cool. Thanks for your time. And uh, we'll see everybody next week on the next episode. Take care. See you.